trust that you can figure it out one step at a time and put the right pieces in place to make it happen. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Bombas for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Bombas makes socks that are comfortable and look great for whenever you need with a wide variety of options. And for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to Trivia Star. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download for free and play. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So it all starts today. If you haven't signed up yet, what are you waiting for? I am doing a free five-day workshop. It starts today. It's called Made for This. And this week, I will be live every single day at five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. But if you sign up and you can't make it live, I will send you the replay. We're going to be doing a five-day free workshop to help you figure out like what is your thing? Like what is the thing that you came to this world to do? And how, how do you turn that into a business? And how, especially during COVID, can you figure out a way to find something that's sustainable that feels purposeful, where you can make money working smarter instead of working harder and do something online to create a community, to build something creative, to make an impact. We are going to get into all those things. I think that is high time that everybody has a sense of how to make a living online. And there's so much, whether you're knitting or selling pastries or creating a community or teaching yoga or creating a membership or a podcast, like it is all available to do in an online setting. And I want to show you how to do it. And I've been doing it for five years and it's completely revolutionized my life. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to have these tools. So come on over. You can join me at kathyheller.com slash challenge. It all starts today and I can't wait. All right, let's talk about today's episode. So today, Kim Malik is on the show. She is founder and CEO of the amazing Salt and Straw Ice Cream. It's really, truly one of the yummiest ice creams out there. And what's amazing is that when she started this company, she didn't know the first thing about making ice cream, but she knew that she wanted to gather people together. She wanted to create a place where the community was strong and she did that. Salt and Straw collaborates with artisans and farmers and supports local schools and raises awareness for issues about child hunger and equal rights. Kim has been listed on Inc. Magazine's 100 Female Founders, and the company has been featured in Food and Wine Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Martha Stewart, O Magazine, Time Magazine, Food Network, and on and on. She's all about being in business to make a positive impact and to make people happy. She really speaks the language of this show, and I know you guys are going to love her. Without further ado, please welcome the delightful Kim Malik. Kim, thanks for joining me. 
Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited because not only is your ice cream so delicious and the branding of it is so beautiful and sophisticated, but the story behind it, it's kind of amazing. I want to go back to where you were at. Where were you sort of like when this all even started to percolate? Yeah, well, right when I got out of college in the early 90s, I'm sad to say, (laughs) I um, got a job with a a really small company. There were 30 stores at the time, um, and it was Starbucks Coffee. A really small little company. (laughs) (laughs) It was so small at the time, and um, it was really fun to be there during those days because I got to kind of have front row seats to building a company almost from scratch. So I'd have to say that that's probably where this kind of passion for being an entrepreneur and building something from scratch started was, you know, just getting to see Howard Schultz in action and the whole team and, you know, doing something that I think really matters in the world, which is what was important to me. I always thought I'd go into politics or the Peace Corps or nonprofits. And I think through that experience, I learned like being in business, you can really make a positive impact too. Wow. Okay. Both of those things are beautiful. Number one, the fact that you wound up being there so early on, it, you know, who would have thought you just stepped into this sort of like once in a lifetime opportunity, but then the way that you just explained that being an entrepreneur can absolutely be a path to making the world a better place. I don't think I've actually heard anyone say that, but I absolutely believe that that's true. It's not all or nothing. It doesn't, you don't have to be in the Peace Corps in order to make a real difference through the way you hire, through the way you give charity, through the way you even do business, eco-friendly or however you want to be inclusive. Yes. Like let's take out a highlighter and just make sure the whole thing gets in there. All right. So then what happens next? So you're working at Starbucks. How long are you there? Uh, You know, I'm a boomerang. I left and came back, but I was there for probably about 15 years altogether. And wow. While I was there, I um, ended up taking a position for a while in Portland, Oregon, and I was really struck by the community feeling here. It's pretty unique. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's a small, big city, and so people are really just well-connected, and we don't have a lot of big companies, so again, the entrepreneurial spirit is really strong. The makers kind of culture is really strong, and in the mid-90s when I was living here, I was struck by that sort of culture. I could just see an ice cream shop reflecting that and just being a place. I mean, I'm still best friends with some people that I literally met walking down the street in Portland. And and I thought, oh, an ice cream shop could encapsulate that. And you could like run into the people in your community and spend time with friends and family and ice cream's all good. There's no reason to have it except to celebrate, you know? And so I could see it really clearly. And I started to work on the idea back then in the mid nineties when I was here in Portland and looking for real estate and, you know, trying to, trying to get this idea off the ground. So it's been percolating for a long, long time. I totally feel that vibe in Portland. I was there to speak at the world domination summit a year or so ago. And you could just tell everybody's like ready to hug you. Like it's just like instant. Right. So now one thing that I read though, is that you had never made ice cream. 
No, I had never made ice cream, but I wasn't quite sure if I would learn myself or if I would find, you know, someone to partner with, but I figured that part would work itself out. I love it. No, you just get resourceful. You're like, I mean, Howard's not making the coffee beans, right? Like we're just like figuring it out. I love it. But you, you wound up making some damn good ice cream. So how did that all go down? Well, so I think that, you know, the idea that the company was about creating community ended up reflecting that idea in the ice cream flavors themselves. Um, My cousin, Tyler, was studying Chinese and living in China, actually, and came home due to a death in the family. And he started cooking just to kind of help ease the pain and realized that instead of becoming, you know, a businessman on Wall Street, he wanted to go to culinary school. And he moved to Portland um, into my basement and started going to culinary school and just started making ice cream, you know, while I was working on getting the business started. And turns out he's really good at it. So, you know, this idea of community, we would go out and meet with, you know, Olympia Provisions to talk about how to use their charcuterie in our ice cream or Rogue Creamery to talk about how to use their blue cheese in our ice cream. And so the community came together to help us form these flavors and to teach us how to use their ingredients in our ice cream. And so I think that's part of the heart and soul of what we do of every single flavor on our menu. I'm so hungry now. I'm like... (laughs) How dare she? Um, It's such good ice cream. I've had salt and straw ice cream. I'm from LA. It's definitely something that everyone's a fan of. And it became something massive, right? So tell us about that arc. What are the things that happened along the way? Tell us that story. Yeah, well, um, when we first started, I mean, I spent most of my career in Fortune 500 companies and I traveled extensively. And so one of the things I was really excited about in starting my own company was staying home. And just having this one ice cream shop, I, I swear, our business plan was to have one shop. And about a year after we'd opened on Alberta Street, you know, when we first opened, we couldn't get funding because it was 2010. It was a great recession. And so I ended up cashing in my 401k and maxing out my credit cards and getting this shop open. And people really showed up like we were doing well. And so another location, another shop became available in town. And it was sort of the epitome of this community gathering spot. So we took a leap and opened that shop. And then Another location came in available in our neighborhood, and um, all of a sudden we got this call from Joan, who owns Jones on 3rd in Los Angeles, and she said, I've been studying ice creams, and I want to sell ice cream, and we want to sell yours, and Tyler and I thought, that's insane, you know, we just have these three little shops in Portland, but we flew down to meet with her because we were so honored to get the call, and by the time we left, I mean, they felt like family, her and her daughters, and we thought, let's try to find a way to do this. And so that was sort of the impetus to getting to know Los Angeles and starting to create flavors with local chefs and artisans and farmers in LA. And um, as we got to know the city, we just thought, oh, it'd be, you know, fun to actually have a shop here. People were so supportive of us. So it happened very organically. We opened in LA kind of as a result of that, we had a kitchen in downtown in Boyle Heights and where we made all the ice cream um, to start. And we were just blown away by the reception we got there. So we feel really, really honored. How many stores do you guys have now across the country? 
Well, we have 21 stores up and down the West Coast, which is crazy. So um, San Diego and San Francisco. And then last October, we opened in Disneyland. So that was kind of like, what is happening? I blew my mind that we would have an opportunity. I mean, it's just like, that's such the fabric of America. And to be there with a location, definitely, it was notable and quite an honor. It's so special. And what I love is that there's so much creativity. And I love the idea that there's no ceiling on what's possible. Like, it just goes to show that when you can see a door where no one else can see one, and you open it, there's no end to how we can magically concoct a life. It's so cool. I mean, that's what makes people walk in the door is like, oh, I heard their flavors are so unique. And, oh, do you know that they sort of partner with all this? Oh, my God, who would have thought of putting those two things together? There's no limitation. It's just this creative incubator. Well, and it is, you said it so well, just this idea of um, letting the local community really inspire us and, and following that path of, you know, getting to know a local chef who introduced us to a jam maker who makes jam in a centuries old, you know, (laughs) copper pod and just the stories that you learn are so inspiring. And it, I think that's what makes it just feel like a really a fresh new day every single day. Like, Oh, we could tell the story of food waste, you know, through ice cream or just kind of all these different directions you can take it. So it's almost not about us or about the ice cream. It's about all this kind of storytelling and community, which is That's really correct. Fun and really hard. I mean, we were talking to some people who are really established in the ice cream industry pre-COVID. And he said, so you do flavors in every city, different flavors, and you change your menu every month. And he was like, so hard. so hard. He said, if you can really do that at scale, nobody else will do that. So I said, oh, I'm glad to hear you say that because it is really hard. <laughs> we were just, we didn't know that it was impossible. It really seems as hard as you just said it is. Like when you think about Ben and Jerry's or, you know, I mean, this is sacrilegious to mention these things, but it's easy in a certain sense because once they have their three, four, five, ten flavors, they can just bulk create them just constantly right and of course it's still hard to become that beloved and to have that track record I get it they're fantastic we love them it is I get it's awesome but to be able to reinvent the wheel every time you go to a new place and then to keep shifting that even where you are I mean you have to be so on the ball like I'm thinking of the amount of plates that you guys have to juggle and to do that so well and make it look easy that is insane. How do you do that? Like how many artisans do you pull in, you know, a month, a quarter? And then how are you able to actually do that from the tasting of it to the, we're going to actually put this one on the shelf? Like that seems somewhat crazy. Well, so we're, we're working about a year in advance and we have to do that both to manage all the complexity, but also, you know, if we're going to work with a really small maker, we have to give them enough time to be able to produce the ingredients that we need because we sell a lot of ice cream, which is super <laughs> cool because, you know, it can be a really big purchase for a small chocolate maker or jam maker or anybody that we're working with. So we're working way out in advance and we actually spend a lot of time with them figuring out what is their food safety 
safety protocol and, you know, how are we going to invoice? And so we make an investment in kind of helping them and how they run their business as well. So you really like the partnership is not just a ship us this and we'll make that. It goes pretty deep into how we work together. And then Tyler is sending samples back and forth with people, my cousin, to taste it and give feedback and and collaborate. Like, we never want to roll into town and say, like, we're going to do this. We ordered it online and we're putting it out in our shops. We want it to really be a reflection of that personal conversation. It almost sounds like Salt and Straw is also its own podcast where like every week you get to talk about the story of this jam maker, this chocolatier. It's so amazing how you're shining a light on all of these people and giving them a place to go. It's so cool. I just love it so much. We have people who listen to our show who sometimes don't know where they fit in because they're not themselves the maker. And what I always say is that you can curate, right? Like you can be a curator and you turned out to be both, right? You're both, but it sort of just gives a vision to people. It's like, do you just love tasting ice creams? Like, do you want to be a shop owner? Do you want to have like the best cheeses all over the world and you're the destination for cheese? You get to make it up. And I love that you've done both. Wow. Wow. So tell us a little bit about what you learned that if you were talking to an aspiring entrepreneur, like these are some like times where you fell down and like you got back up, but these would be some of the things to say like, oh, this might happen. And here's sort of how I would do that differently. Or here's what I learned. What what were some of those things for you? Yeah. I mean, when we were growing, I'm a classic entrepreneur where I jump off the cliff and kind of build it as I go. And I trust I'm going to land on my feet. And so, you know, I said earlier, I cashed in my 401k and maxed out my credit cards. No, No small thing. Took out loans and we were opening in in Los Angeles and I had gotten to know Alan Karp over a matter of several years and actually Danny Meyer as well. And um, both of them came forth kind of just at the right time to help us with um, investing in the company. And I have to say, you know, I slept much better um, when I had those really great, you know, not only financial partners, but you know, mentors and folks engaged in the business to partner because it can be really lonely and you don't know what's around the corner and how to make, you know, some of those big mistakes maybe hurt a little bit less. But, you know, as people are are scaling their business, I, I do think that financial piece is fascinating. And they say that, you know, as you're growing, there's this really dangerous point where you need all of these resources, but you can't afford them, you know, and so how to know where to invest and, and when and how. I think is the hardest part. And, you know, we've been really successful and success hides a lot of issues that you might be having. And so, you know, for me, you know, there's been times where we've made big bets and things are going well. And then we find out like, oh, you know, that's costing like everything costs way more money than you think it's going to cost. And having those right controls in place, it's probably the best investment that you can make. I always tell people just don't hesitate to invest in those areas early. And what would those areas be? It sounds like what you were referring to is sort of getting some venture capital and bringing, what yeah. What do you mean exactly? Even more than that, getting the money is not usually the hard part. It's keeping it <laughs> and managing it well. Um, so are you so saying having a person on your team who's able to yeah, keep track? Having the right financial infrastructure um, within your yeah. company to manage that. And we're in an awesome place now, but it's taken a long time to get there. 
And so getting that infrastructure, financial, HR, like all the things that are really, you know, they don't seem very fun, um, yeah. but they really are so important and it allows you to go out and have fun and, and do the, make those big bets. So. Yep. I just had that myself. I just interviewed last week a few people from Deloitte and different firms because mm-hmm. once you start making millions of dollars, you don't realize that you have nothing left at the end of the year because you owe all this money in taxes. And then they're like, oh, there's ways of doing things. Did you want to learn about that? And you're like, no one taught me that. I don't know what I'm doing, right? I love what you said. Success hides a lot of that stuff. There's just a whole language to understanding money. And I think it's really important. And having that mentor, having that person who can like give you a five minute conversation and like, yeah, I think we should do this. It's like that I think could be super, super invaluable. It's everything. Like you can go get money. That's not actually worth giving up your equity. It's right. the expertise that comes with it. That's the most important. And, you know, they've been able to help us put the right infrastructure in place, you know, bring in the experts that we needed. Um, they're even just a good call at the end of a hard day. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so all, all of those things are really important to keep going. Exactly. Let's talk about what everybody's thinking about right now, which is COVID and how COVID is really affecting everyone to some degree, sometimes more, but especially businesses and especially brick and mortar businesses. What's been your experience and how do you think you've been able to keep going through such a really hard season? Yeah. Well, it's been awful. <laughs> not, not, not to sugarcoat it. Um, so when, I was in, um, when I was in college, my father actually lost his business and went bankrupt. He had a small business. And so that idea of going bankrupt is always haunting me. Uh, um, it's one of the reasons it took me, you know, whatever, 15 years to actually take the leap and start my own company. And so when this all hit, that kind of fear really was flaring up in me. And it's not a good place to be making decisions from, you know, to be really, everybody's so fear-based right now. And, and I have been too. You know, they say kind of small and medium businesses have less than 30 days of cash reserves. And Oof. we're definitely in that bucket. And so when this hit, we had to make some really hard, 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 hard decisions that I never thought we would have to in terms of, of um, furloughing and laying team members yeah. off and restructuring the company. And, and we did it. I hope to never do anything that hard again in my life. Um, but we Awful. So hard. We, yeah, it was awful. But it's, we've come out of it in a really good place now. So all of our shops except for one are up and operating and they're actually doing really well. I think, you know, ice cream during this time of, of stress and, you know, people are, are so obviously, you know, worried about not only their health, but their safety and financial wellbeing. I mean, everything is being triggered right now. And so to have that moment of happiness is more important than ever. And we're really proud to be able to be offering that and doing it in a really safe way. And so we're, we're on a good path now. And you know, I'm very positive about the future once again. Yeah. And I mean, to be able to say that in this moment speaks volumes about how you are doing and how you will be doing. Because if people are coming now, right, it's not like it's 99 cent ice cream. It's artisan, beautiful ice cream, right? Same thing like when Howard was here and he was like, 
Yeah, I wasn't selling a 75 cent cup of coffee. So people thought like no one's going to pay 575, you know, and he was like, just wait, just watch what happens when it's called the pumpkin spice latte. You just wait, right? (laughs) And people are lined up, right? So one of the things that comes up for my audience, because I think that what you have in common with my audience is these folks are really good hearted people. Mm-hmm. And they have a value that reigns supreme, which is I want to be a good person. And right. so part of it feels like it's mutually exclusive. Either I get to be a good person or I sell something. Mm-hmm. And if I charge money for something, there's something inherently wrong or duplicitous or sleazy or how can you charge someone for something, especially in COVID? I'm serious. Like right. people would not be able to do that as easy as easily as we think that they can. And you clearly, when you're talking, you're like, it's happiness. It's this. I'm not just selling, you know, sugar and, and cream. There's something else about it. But how do you overcome that? Because clearly you're a good person. It's so obvious, right? So it's like, how do you sell something confidently and charge money and make money and, and know that you're still a good person? Yeah. I mean, we had to uh, really go through this dilemma when we decided to grow the company even way back in the day. Like, why would we grow? Because growth usually means, you know, mass sameness and greed and all the things that we think of right, um, right. big corporations. And So our little team got together and we said, well, why should we grow? And at the end of the day for us, the reasons really were about providing career opportunities for the incredibly talented people we had working for us. We knew that if we didn't grow and provide them opportunities, they'd go find them somewhere else. And so we thought that would be an important reason to grow. And then we also thought we could do business in a different way where we could partner with local artisans in each city. And it doesn't have to mean mass sameness. It could mean that we're growing, we're successful, and we get to invest even more in the local artisan scene. And so could we turn that idea on its head and stand for something different? Mm-hmm. And then could we, you know, really be a great employer and, you know, provide benefits that are above and beyond and career opportunities? And and so those were the kind of foundational reasons that we decided to grow. And we still hold on to those values now during COVID that we believe that we stand for something really special and and we stand for something really good and the world needs more of that right now you know I mean I wake up every morning and I see a list of companies going bankrupt and going out of business and so I take the responsibility of job creation really seriously I mean we've hired over 400 people in the past two months. Um, Oh my God. We're going to hire more um, as we head into the fall and as we open new markets, even during this COVID time. And so we want to be a force for good um, in all of those ways, you know, supporting local farmers and artisans. And you have to run a good business. You have to do good to do well. You have to do well to do good. The both go hand in hand. Totally. It's so important. And I love hearing it from you, like this girl who lives in Portland, who's clearly like, you know, salt of the earth, no pun intended, because I think that that is the best thing you do for the economy is just play full out. It's like blood in the body. It's got to keep moving. Money has to keep circulating and playing small and having less it doesn't help anyone else, right? You, you then just need more. And what can you give to someone else? You can only give that which you have, right? So you can give support, but you can't actually give someone sustenance, right? So you said that so well. And 
you mentioned Howard Schultz at the beginning of this and like just how many people he's given college tuition to and health insurance to and yeah I'm one of them and I'm forever grateful I really am personally grateful for that and I you know if one person could have that experience with our company I would be really grateful too so yeah that's amazing I love this conversation but let's just take a moment to thank our sponsors how do you keep your mind sharp? If trivia keeps you on your toes, you need to play Trivia Star. It's the best way to test yourself. I've teamed up with Trivia Star and they are offering 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you go to the Apple or Google store, download and play. Trivia Star is a free mobile quiz game that's both entertaining and challenging. You can choose from over 60 categories like music, sports, movies, TV, animals, celebrities. There's always something to explore. This is how it works. If you choose the correct answer from multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. The questions get harder over time but if you get stuck, don't worry. You can use coins and gems to get a hint and beat the level. And Trivia Star has 2,000 five-star reviews in the Apple Store. Join them today and see if you're smart enough to win. I love testing my trivia knowledge, and this game is just so entertaining. Plus, I end up learning new things when I play, so no matter what happens, it's a win-win for me. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Again, search Trivia Star and enjoy 2,500 coins and 500 gems. Download Trivia Star for free today. Bombas makes socks that reconsider traditional designs to become even more comfortable and look great for whatever you need with a wide variety of colors, patterns, lengths, and styles. These are some of the most comfortable socks I've ever worn, but what's also incredible is that they give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. In fact, for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. As a result, Bombas customers have helped over 34 million pairs of socks and counting get donated through a nationwide network of over 3,000 giving partners. I love my Bombas socks, especially the no-shows socks. They're really lightweight and soft, and I always feel like I'm treating my feet to something good when I put them on. Plus, just like the conversation we're having with Kim today, Bombas is a company that's all about giving back, and I really love that they're selling their product and growing their business to make a difference. Give a pair when you buy a pair. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash dreamjob. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash dreamjob for 20% off your first purchase. One of the other things that comes up for our listeners is a feeling of there's no room for me. Mm. And people feel like, you know, there's already so many ice cream stores. Like, why would I be stupid and start one? No one's going to like it. No one's going to care. You know, there's already this one and that one. How did you deal with that? It's not like you were creating a hoverboard that like doesn't exist and people can fly through the air, right? So how do you sit with that and keep like marching forward? I think that that is such a great question, especially for women. So you heard me say that I had this idea in 1996, and finally we opened in 2011. <laughs> so it took me that long. Took a minute, yeah. To have the confidence and to find the right time to be able to do that. And I can remember sitting at breakfast at the dockside, which is um, the place where they found the documents implicating Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Awesome. So, so it's like great vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting at breakfast talking to this woman, Sarah Massoni, who I'd known for years and years and years. And um, she was the first person I was going to tell I'm going to do this. And you wouldn't believe how hard it was for me to muster the words in my mouth and get them out to say, I think I'm going to, I have this idea. I'm going to, um, well, just never mind. I'm gonna, and she just I love it. Quietly looking at me and finally, so I'm going to start an ice cream shop. <laughs> and she just looked at me and I'm not exaggerating. It was hilarious. She looked at me and all she said was, I'll help you. 
And so she had, she's a food scientist. She had me into her kitchen to help create flavors. And then when Tyler arrived, she worked with us. And so, you know, finding that one person who just saying it out loud. And I always laugh because there's, you know, people say men will wake up in the morning and say, I just had the best idea and I'm going to rule the world with it. And women will wake up and be like, I've been thinking about this for 10 years and it's almost perfect. I might tell someone tomorrow, you know, so that idea. Uh, I feel that in my stomach when you say uh, that and my whole stomach is like in a knot because it's so true. It's not it's good. So no, it's, it's not good. Politics and business and nonprofit. Women don't like own their voice and step forward. Uh. And so yes. I'm just sharing my story that I did that and I finally did and it was great. So just put it out. Even just saying it is, you know, putting it out into the world and starting and people will step forward and help you. Yeah, we totally are guilty of that. And we apologize for everything and, and we, we tolerate being so much less happy than we can be. And there's something about being big, like our biggest self that feels like, so arrogant or who are you to do that? Or it's, it's so true. But in terms of this idea of like, you're creating something that other people already made. Why would you think that people would come to your store if there was already 14 other ice cream stores in town? I mean, I just wanted to be on a really lovely street where people would be out walking in a nice neighborhood that people would find solace and having a, a great afternoon with ice cream and I just figured people would come and and we knew that ice cream would be great and creative we could kind of sense that but I just thought people would come to be with each other if we created a really welcoming place with welcoming people so that that was my vision and I could see it really clearly and um, once the wheels started taking motion it just the idea had a life of its own beyond my doubts and fears I wasn't really about the ice cream. You know, I think it was about providing this space for people in their life. And I, I knew people needed that. I didn't see it anywhere else. I just knew it. I knew people needed it. I love that. And how do you facilitate that in your shops? Like what are some, before COVID, obviously it's a different story, but what were some of those ingredients in the atmosphere that you wanted so that people would sit and stay and come together? Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, it's all about our team and how we hired and trained and just really invested primarily in this idea of hospitality. And it's how we met Danny Meyer. We were studying hospitality and actually flew to New York to meet with his team and, and learn more about how to create a spirit and a culture of hospitality. And so the idea that you would come in and uh, you could take off your armor and just be yourself amongst all the other people in line who were all talking about, you know, what's the new ice cream flavor? And you could be different religions or races or professions. And that didn't matter. Everyone was just together trying to figure out like, will pear and blue cheese taste good together? Does that seem crazy? Is that going to work? And I mean, people have gotten job offers and marriage proposals in our lines. And so I think setting the foundation with really creating a welcoming environment. And then we were really careful about how we designed the stores. We wanted them to be family friendly, but really kind of adult oriented and remind you of kind of a modern day mercantile where 
you know, you would see the makers come in and drop things off in a mercantile at one end. We wanted it to kind of feel like that and, and just to transport you. So everything from like when you stand at the counter, there's a carved real wood shelf that you lean against that feels really nice. Everything is intended to give off that vibe and make you feel like you're in a different place for a little while. I love that. And I love that so much because what I often here, I mean, one of my friends who you're probably friends with too, Emily McDowell, who just yeah. moved to Portland. She, I remember her telling me two years ago that this generation isn't into stuff. Like we've, we've had it with stuff and things. So it's getting harder to sell stuff. And it's really about experiences. Like people buy to concert tickets more than they would buy a thing. Cause with yeah. Amazon and everything else, like things are not that interesting anymore. You can get everything at the drop of a hat. So it's all about how it makes you feel. It's all about the story. And so I love that you were like, no, I wasn't selling ice cream. So I wasn't worried about competing with ice cream vendors because it's something completely different. And that is so clear why it works. Like if we can all really stop and listen from the DNA of the whole endeavor, this idea of like creating this space, creating community. And for sure, having these flavors right away, because I've been there and people spend so much time turning around going, have you tried it? But it just lends itself to, to that, right? So that's, and then just, you're right, all those little pieces, but it's beautiful. And it's so important that people get that when you sell something, you're not selling a thing. It's a story. It's a feeling. It's got to be an experience. That's right. You're not selling a thing. I, I love that. And you're right. It is more important than ever. I mean, People like and come into our stores, at least pre-COVID, to go into a wine tasting. You know, it's just, it's highly experiential and it's how you make people feel. That's all that matters at the end of the day. So good. So as we're sort of wrapping up, one of the questions is, you know, people listen to someone like you and then they feel like, well, she's like 3,000 steps ahead of me. So, you know, there's no way. And so in the beginning, right, when you first opened that first shop and you had to sort of like cash out your credit cards and you just like did everything to like open it up, how did you get the first five customers in the door? Like Mm -hmm. what was the marketing, the messaging? Like how did you get the first $10,000 made? So we started as a food cart. We were on Alberta Street and, you know, we started partnering with these really well-known artisans throughout town. And so that sort of started to create a little bit of buzz through that network. And we, I'm a really, if you can't tell, a really big storyteller. And so, you know, my background's in marketing I knew we didn't have any money to do any kind of marketing, but I knew this power of storytelling through stories, through press would be really powerful. And so um, we just started to get to know different reporters in town. And I can remember when I sent my first email to a reporter, it was like, I closed my eyes and hit send and thought, okay, now it's out in the world. They're going to judge us, you know, and she wrote right back and came and met with Tyler and I and tasted the ice cream and heard our story and, Shortly thereafter, you know, we started to get a little bit of um, of press. And I, when we opened on Alberta, we had a story in the Oregonian that told my story of kind of quitting my job in corporate America and starting my own business. And I can never forget, I was standing at the register that day. 
And this woman stood in front of me and she just started crying. And she said, you're doing it. I, I think I can do it now too. I came here to this shop to see you doing this and you're, you know, ringing me up. And so I think just, you know, if you have a story to tell and putting it out in the world, I mean, with social media now, it's even easier to do that. But we really worked through mostly through, you know, public relations. And because there were so many layers to what we were doing, the word traveled really nicely. Mm, That's such a great lesson. And for those of you listening, like think about how Coca-Cola really created Santa Claus. Like as we know it, like listen, the story they're telling is everything. I didn't know that until I went to the Coke museum in Atlanta and I was like, wait, what? Oh, that's why he's red and white. No way. I was like, what? Oh my God. Like talk about telling a story, you know, no wonder. So it's so important and it makes so much sense. And the way that you set up your business lends itself so well to telling so many great stories. So speaking of stories, not exactly a story, but a book, you guys put out the Salt and Straw Ice Cream Cookbook last year. What was that experience like? Well, I will confess my cousin Tyler is the mastermind behind that. So uh, for me, it was pretty light lifting. (laughs) And for him, it was really insane. I mean, he, uh, you know, I helped with taste testing, which I'm really good at. (laughs) Um, But, you know, from writing all the recipes, getting them perfected, and then spending, I think, almost a whole year on the road, you know, out doing demos. And, but it was really so fun for both of us, because it was just another good excuse to get to connect with people and and I think to really tell kind of what's going on behind the scenes and what makes our ice cream really special so it was it was a great experience it's a beautiful book too and I guess the last thing that I'll say is that I think that people listening sometimes they will get started but they very easily get discouraged you know they'll take a few steps and then there's one hit to the jaw and they're out of the ring. Like they just feel very easily deflated. So if you've ever had a moment where you felt stuck in your business or in your life, like how do you keep going through that? Like what would your advice be? Mm-hmm. I guess for me, especially as things grow, um, I heard someone say once, don't ever get tricked into thinking that your desk or your office is your company, you know? And so being out in the world, um, being in the stores, working in the stores reconnects me to, you know, what we're doing. And I, I think that's so important. Standing in line at Salt and Straw will tell me everything I need to know about what our priorities need to be. Cause I can hear what customers think and I can work side by side with my team and know exactly what to do. And then I also think the whole world ahead of you and all the problems to solve, it's usually just one next step, you know? And so what, what is that one next step that I need to do and who can help me? I mean, I went through a divorce right before I started Salt and Straw and um, I went to a friend of mine who had gotten divorced and I said, what got you through this? And she said, you know, I'm not very good at asking for help, but I learned going through this divorce that I had to ask for help. And so I took that to heart and I started asking people for help and I found that people love to help, you know, and and if you're brave enough to put it out there and ask, people will show up, especially now, especially with what's going on right now in our society. And, and so do it, ask for help, put it out there and people will show up. Okay. My last question, do you still do your membership subscription with the Pints Club? We do. (laughs) 
I think that that is so cool. And I want my listeners to hear that because again, it just shows another door of possibility. Like if you don't have a brick and mortar, or even if you do just like more revenue streams. So tell us what the Pints Club membership is all about. So speaking of, you know, press at the start, we were a little ice cream cart to start with. And we got a phone call from this woman at the Wall Street Journal. And she said, I want to do a review of your company, of your ice cream, but my editor said you have to have national distribution. And Tyler and I were laughing because we said, oh, you can touch both sides of the cart right now. Like, he literally just pulled up in a Subaru with a cooler on top, and that's how we're delivering our ice cream. What do you mean by national distribution? And she said, well, you know, like mail order. She called it mail order or something. And I said, oh, I bet we could do that. And she said, okay, you have three weeks (laughs) to launch a website and then the review will be up. And so we did it three weeks later. No way. Tyler and I were shipping ice cream. So that's how we originally started shipping ice cream, thanks to the Wall Street Journal. And they had a really nice review of our vanilla ice cream. And we sold a bunch of ice cream and half of it melted the first, you know, couple weeks. (laughs) But it's turned into this really great business. And now, you know, during COVID times when our stores were closed and, and people couldn't get out, we could ship it in the mail. And to be able to turn and pivot to these different businesses and just, again, trust that you can figure it out one step at a time and put the right pieces in place to make it happen, you know, has really driven us forward. And it's a great business. We have that. And, you know, we have this third party delivery. And so we're just, we're doing a lot to expand our business just beyond our retail stores. Oh my gosh. I love that. So if people are not in Washington or California, Oregon, right now they can go and get your ice cream wherever they are in the U.S.? Is that and it? it's like magic. We'll mail it to you. Ice cream shows up on dry ice, still frozen. Yum. And if you have young children, they'll enjoy the dry ice even more than the ice cream because it's, It know, smokes, fire. yeah. All right, well, that leads us to this final question, which is, so tell us where we can find you. What's your Instagram handle? What's the website? How do we keep up with what, you, yeah, what you're doing personally? Whatever you want to tell us. Yeah, so salt and straw spelled out. Um, is both our Instagram and our website. So find us there. Um, I'm Kimberly Malik on Instagram. And um, I have three kids and my husband and three kids are all African American. So we're going through a lot during this time of, you know, all of the um, protests going on and Black Lives Matter. And so we're kind of feeling it from all directions and happy to have people join us in that journey. And that so you share that on your Instagram? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have three kids and building this business at the same time. Yeah. My jaw is like... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, we're homeschooling, you know, during COVID. It's it's pretty insane, but we're we're making it work. You are so adorable. I would have thought you'd be really intimidating, but you're ah! the op- you're the opposite of that. I'm so glad that you got that call from Jones on third and Wall Street Journal gave you the kick in the I mean, all the things that have happened and you just kept saying, Okay, let's try it. Let's do that. So good. That's Thank great. you for being with us today. I can't wait for everybody to hear this. I love talking to Kim. Here are the takeaways. Number one, you can be in business and make a positive impact too. Be a force for good. Number two, let the community inspire you. 
Number three, the more you grow, the more you can go above and beyond and create opportunities for other people. Number four, stand for something different. Stand for something that's special, that's really good, and the world needs more of it right now. Number five, put it out there. Say it out loud. People will step forward and help you. Number six, it's not about selling the product. It's about transporting them into an experience and providing others with a space where they can come in, take off their armor, and just be themselves. And number seven, trust that you can figure it out one step at a time and put the right pieces in place to make it happen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much. Your time is the most valuable thing that you have. And it means the world that you spend it right here listening to this show. I do not take that for granted ever. We have amazing guests coming up. The Property Brothers are coming on the show as well as so many other awesome human beings. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so you don't miss any of it because of course it's free to subscribe. And I'm curious, did this episode inspire you? Did this episode teach you something new? Can you think of one person who might need to hear this? If so, please go ahead and post about the show on your Instagram. You can tag me at kathy.heller so that I can say thank you and I can repost it and we can keep spreading the love. And I would appreciate it if you can think of one person, if you shared the show with them. Don't forget, you can still join the awesome five-day free challenge that I'm doing starting today. You can go to kathyheller.com slash challenge and sign up. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. So many times I chose to run. So many times I held my tongue. I held my tongue. Never saying what I needed to. Scared they walk away. And I would lose. Yeah, I would lose. But now...
like a soldier.